Hello and welcome everyone to our special Focus 100 Pounder meeting. It is Wednesday the 24th of January and I'm delighted to introduce today's speaker, Geraldine O. Geraldine is originally from Kilkenny, now lives in County Waterford and has been in OA since October of 2020. And Geraldine, we would love to hear your story. Thank you, Noel, and um, hi, everyone. Very, um, very humbled to be here, and um, thank you for, for asking me to be here. Um, Roy, if you could just give me a reminder when there's about two minutes to go, that would be great, so I can be wrapping up. Great, thank you. Um, yeah, so um, I'm, I'm Geraldine. I'm a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater, and like Noel said, I um, came to my first OA meeting back in October 2020 um, and and thankfully you know I, I have I have been um, miraculously my life has miraculously changed in every way so I suppose just to go back a little bit on the on the 45 years prior to that um, I, I believe I, I was born a compulsive overeater just from things that my mother has said about me as a baby and I know not everybody um, has that but but she definitely has reminisced on the fact that the only thing that would soothe me um, was was food or or or, or, or milk. I, I believe I was combination fed because I just couldn't be satisfied <laughs> in, in in any way from from the moment I was born. And I suppose I have an awareness of um of reaching for food at every opportunity. Um, I I had a pretty normal Irish childhood. Um. But, you know, I suppose when I, when I think back, so there was no great tragedy. Um, thankfully, you know, I have a brother and a sister, you know, we as we were in the 70s or 80s, you know, we we, we were fine. We, we didn't want for anything, but, you know, we, we had a very simple um, childhood. But I definitely remember most of my memories are around food. If I think about a party, it's about the cake, you know, my, my brother's friends asking for more food, which meant we as his sisters had to wait. So there's definitely lots of and lots of food memories. Um, and from an early age, um, I definitely have memories of my mother trying to encourage me to eat not quite as much um, as what I was having. She could obviously see that I was eating more than what I needed to. Looking back at photos, I wasn't a particularly um, large child. Most of that came um, in my teens. So I would have been very academic and not sporty at all. Um, and would have struggled um a bit at school with with um, probably trying to to play down that academic side of things. So it, it would have meant that at times school was hard because I took great pride in my schoolwork. Um, but that's not necessarily um a good strategy to choose for for popularity and for keeping under the radar. Um, if, if I'm being honest, and I definitely used food to soothe. Um, I went to college and I suppose away from my mother's, um, I suppose, control and cooking. Um, it meant I had this whole freedom from coming home to, you know, only being given healthy meals, which probably kept my weight somewhat in check, though I do remember being on diets from a, a very early teen. Um, but definitely at college and when I, you know, lived away from home working, um, I I had this whole new freedom around food and and boy did I eat. Um, I probably realised, like I said, from my early teens, there was a lot of of dieting going on to to reduce my weight. 
And I would characterize a lot of my my early eating career as, you know, gaining um, probably six stone over a period of time and then losing four. And that happened a lot. You know, firstly, when I was in my final year of college and I was applying um, for postgrad programs and um, my mother used a lot of the frothy emotional appeal, which only came from a place of love that in a job interview it would be better if I looked a bit healthier. So that was my first attempt at that in my final year of my degree um, and went to one of those private pay and way type situations it was successful enough that they had me on the local radio and um, promoting the, the, the product. Um, but I went back in, you know, and and regained that weight, lost it again, regained it. Um, I met my husband when I was in my final year of college, when I was 20. Um, and I met him when I was at my lightest um, adult weight. Um, and, you know, it's it's ironic, I suppose I used to say to him, him at times, you know, he's tall and lean and um, really didn't like the fact that I was carrying extra weight at all. But I wasn't the first night uh, we met. Um, but over time, I did gain that weight. We got married nine years later. I was living in Dublin. He was living down here on the, the Waterford farm. And again, many years of dieting up and down. And specifically for the wedding, you know, I would have tried to diet, lost some of the weight, uh, but but not all of it, you know, or, or didn't get to a healthy weight. But, you know, look, looked looked well enough um, on my wedding day. Then came to the time of having children. At that stage, my psoriasis had developed into psoriatic arthritis, um, which had an impact on my ability to affect my knees particularly. Um, so at that point, I had looked at curing arthritis, the drug free way, which did look at a lot of inflammatory foods. And a lot of this makes a lot of sense now um, because the foods that I was eating and that I now know I'm addicted to white sugar, white flour uh, and huge volumes. I also have um, an intolerance to to nuts, which I ate a, a huge amount of, of those, but they caused me a huge amount of, of pain and really um I suppose my inflammation was 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 very you know my, my body was very sore as a result so I would have had times where I didn't eat those foods and had a lot of relief from my pain um a rheumatologist I met at the time told me there were drugs out there but given I was 29 and hadn't yet had any children they wouldn't have been recommended for me this would have been about 20 years ago um so anyway time went on you know we decided we'd, we'd like to have children um, but unfortunately, the extra weight, um, you know, did have an impact and I suffered lots of, of pregnancy losses as a result. And um, so I managed to white knuckle it for a time um, because the, the, the advice all the time was try to lose the weight. So despite at that stage, probably being eight to nine stone over a healthy weight, I might lose about four and manage to maintain a healthy pregnancy and um, I managed to have three healthy children, you know, thankfully. Um, after my youngest, who's now nine, was was a year old, I, I was coming, you know, within 14 months of my 40th birthday. And I decided this is it. I'm going to lose a pound a week. Nice and easy. And instead, I, I gained three stone because that's what I what I did. Um, and that continued. We had a family wedding, went to a pay and weight, gained more weight because the more I focused on it and I didn't have those very important milestones and I suppose the disease was progressing so while I was able to lose four stone for my wedding and prior to maintaining a successful pregnancy I always gained six 
so at, at this stage, things were getting worse and worse. I was now on um, fairly severe medication and um, methotrexate and some biologic injections for my um, arthritis. Um, at this stage, I'd spoken to the doctor about it and the practice nurses had recommended that I talk. I talked to somebody. So I did. I went to see a psychotherapist and about six months, and that was in early 2019, about six months into therapy, I admitted to her that I was addicted to certain foodstuffs. And she told me about OA. She had long, many decades of recovery in another 12-step program herself. At that time, I'm, I'm living in, in County Waterford and I thought, oh, no, I won't be able to drive to those meetings. My children were a bit younger and I didn't. But she told me about the steps and I thought I can do this myself. I just won't eat sugar. I know the answer. I'm like an alcoholic, so I can't have these substances. That's it. Self-knowledge, you know, even though I didn't really know what I was thinking, that's what I thought. So for about six months, I didn't eat obvious sugar. So I stayed away from chocolate bars and I lost about 10 pounds. And then I started to gain weight again because there were obviously all the other food substances and the volume. So I was knee deep in those. And then COVID hit in early 2020. Um, and I was really frightened at that stage because there was a lot made about the, you know, people with compromised immune systems and high BMI. So I, I had both of those. I had high blood pressure as well and was on a tablet for that. Um, and yeah, so I was really frightened. My GP told me to come off my um my medication for the arthritis because he said, you know, your immune system is compromised. But, you know, at least, you know, maybe this is the time he said, maybe this will do it for you. Start walking and um, it might be difficult. You might be in a lot of pain, but at least you'll be still alive. So for three weeks, I ate nothing but protein bars. And then again, started back into the food big time into all of the sugar. And that went on for that initial chunk of 2020. And then one day in um, in October, I said to, to my therapist, I don't know what I'm going to do. You gave me those um, those OA numbers. And at some stage during that six months, I had asked her for numbers again. She told me the meetings were online. Um, and I thought she told me, but I know now she didn't tell me. Um, you know, I, I said, what about I ring those? And she said, you know, that the, the contact number for she mentioned a specific meeting in Ireland, you know, is supposed to be very nice. And I rang that person and she ended up becoming my sponsor. I now know. And that's the start of my being aware of the existence of a higher power. And um, I know that my therapist had no connection to that particular part of Ireland where my sponsor was. She definitely didn't say that to me. But I that was the first intuitive thought that I got. Um, to, to ring that person um, and that was I went to my first meeting on the 29th of October 2020 I started having calls with the person who's now my sponsor um, and she started recommending podcasts to me so I started to listen to vision for you meetings we used what was then surrender school is now 12 steps together and I attended the the zoom local meetings so I suppose I became very aware from some of the very first podcasts and um, basically recordings of Vision for You meetings that she mentioned to me. Um, and one of those was talking about the doctor's opinion and the double whammy. And it was the start of a huge awareness for me of what this disease was. And I wasn't frightened by it. If anything, I was relieved because up to then I was just petrified going to bed at night. I used to beg God to... Um, 
to get me through the night. You know, my heart would be pounding because I probably grabbed a couple of slices of bread and put burger sauce on those up the stairs. Now that wasn't, I wouldn't have considered that binging. This was just part of my all day long eating. But I was now aware that this addiction had, you know, a physical side to it and also a mental side to it, that, that obsession of the mind. But I also realized that, you know, dieting was never going to work for me in the traditional sense because I was never going to be able to eat any of my foods in moderation again. Uh, the second podcast that she recommended I listen to was What Do We Mean by Entire Abstinence? And I'm so glad that I I listened and, and um, understood those concepts very early on in my recovery because a year before I'd come in, I had tried the given up the obvious sugar and that wasn't going to work for me. That type of abstinence wasn't going to do anything for me. So even as I read through um, or as I listened to those podcasts, I was already scribbling down uh, notes on what I would consider my red foods to be and my green foods. I I, I, I don't have a yellow foods so or either red or green. I also understood that to be at the size that I was at and um, I, I just I suppose to show the physical and um, before and after I'm not sure if people can see those to be at that size it wasn't just about sugar um or or flour um like both of those are an issue but also for me volume um and I suppose that was the start of me putting that food plan together with a sponsor who then went on to read the big book with me so for me if I think about what was I like what was I like you know, um, before all of this happened. So physically, you can see there on the screen, that's me in, in the in the two pictures on the right in 2020. One is in August 2020 and one, I think, is in around October time, very close to me going into the programme. And I suppose the reason I've shared the middle one is it just shows what was going on in our house. My husband looks particularly stressed. Um, and the reason that, that he's stressed is because any day like this would have involved me having a full you know running the show and um, so this is is a, a a religious celebration for what was then my eight-year-old and uh, because of covid it didn't happen in may it happened in august but in january which was pre-covid i would have been full-on perfectionist planning for this event mode which you could apply to any day of my life and um, so my husband had to buy a new suit before he got busy on the farm my son had his suit. You might be able to see from there, but the material on their dicky bow and um and tie are matching as are their um their handkerchiefs. But me, no, no, no. I had all these great plans that the weight was going to miraculously fall from my body, but it didn't. You can be sure it probably increased at that time. Um, and there's a lot of pain going on because I would have been annoying him about this and that now it would have been more scaled down because of COVID but he would have been thinking about our eldest um, similar event and the type of show running that was going on I had to get steroid injections before that particular day to enable me to walk because the pains in my knees um, were affecting me so much but oh my god would he have suffered during that time so I can really see that now looking back that he's a little bit tense because it's like oh Jesus you know what way is this day going to be um, and as in the other photo even though I'm there on the beach and um, looking to live in a lovely coastal area this is before I think they were announcing a lockdown it's very close to me coming into the program and um, he's, he's happier there we're, we're outside but you can see physically at this stage I'm 
I'm at my highest weight, but I, I possibly didn't weigh myself at the top of it. I'm I'm nearly uh, 23 stone. So, um, yeah, 320 pounds, 145 kilos. Um, you know, so it's 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 serious. It's really serious. I have three, you know, young children. My youngest was um six at the time and, and my oldest was coming up to 11. Uh, yeah, or 12. Sorry, she's 15. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So what happened? Um, so, yeah, I, I got my you know, I got a sponsor. Um, and the first part was the food. So the getting entirely abstinent, having a food plan for me, because of where I was at with volume, I weighed and measured my food and I continued to weigh and measure my food and send my food plan to my sponsor because I know that this disease is alive and kicking. Um, you know, I remember one day getting strawberries for my lunch and working out how many I was to have based on the weight of the packet. And I put one in my mouth and it was bad. I hadn't noticed it. And I put it down. I thought, you nearly need five of those now to compensate for the bad one. I thought, there it is. That's how it would start. It would start with something really innocent, like an extra few strawberries. And I had to say, no, you know that whatever it was, 10 or whatever I was to have, that was my portion. Why would I have any more? You know, I would have one for the one that bad one I wasn't eating, but I wouldn't have any more. So I'm that sure that that's how, how it would change. Um, and so I started working the steps with my sponsor. I mean, the, the, the change in my physical shape has happened over that photo on the left is from is from last year. So, you know, I, I've lost over 150 pounds or or 70 kilos. Um, and, and that's me. On, on the right because I showed it to somebody and they thought it, was, thought it was our third child he's just not in the photo because he would be standing in front of me in any of the similar photos that that we have and um, so it's it's not that I've disowned him or anything he's 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 uh... but yeah so what changed so for me it was understanding the threefold nature of the disease that you know there's the mental element so that today I'm abstinent so if I was to pick up something it wouldn't be because the physical side of the disease is calling me. It would be because mentally something would go through my head. Sure, couldn't you just have? Why can't you do? Aren't you healthy now? Isn't it Christmas? Isn't it whatever? Um, but, and that would happen if I'm not in fit spiritual condition. So that's where the spiritual side of the program has been so important for me. So working the steps. Um, and if I look, you know, I read the big book or my sponsor read the big book with me. Um, I, I went to the meetings um, and, you know, when I look at the doctor's opinion, when I read that, I went, wow, that's it. You know, the, it says on XXVIII, we believe and so suggested a few years ago, the action of the of alcohol on these alco chronic alcoholics is the manifestation of an allergy. The phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker, in, in, in our case, in the normal eater. And I could agree absolutely with that. Um, and, you know, then in the chapter, there is a solution, you know, where it talks about, you know, before we take that first bite, you know, we're, we're abstinent or we're sober. So it's it's the um, it's the mental obsession. And this chapter on page 25 in italics, there is a solution. So absolutely, there is a solution. It's not a diet. It's a new way of living. And almost none of us liked. So, you know, this program is simple. It's easy for me to sit here and say, you know, um, you know, just follow the steps. You know, it's it's simple, but it's not always easy. Like none of us liked the, the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, 
the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. So I didn't like the idea of doing a lot of the work at the start. You know, when my sponsor said to me, um, you know, make a couple of outreach calls a day, I thought, what? Bringing strangers? Has she any idea? I'm not doing that until I spoke to somebody and they said, I was nearly going to change sponsor when I heard that. And then the penny dropped that it wasn't just my sponsor recommending this. This was a, a common enough thing among sponsors. And it's something that I do myself today. Um, equally with, with, with step four, um, you know, I list the resentments. I'd spent a year and a half in therapy, which I now know reaming off resentments about against everybody. My step four was like my family tree. Um, and, you know, I became abstinent on the 1st of November 2020. And um, my husband's appendix ruptured when I was in the middle of writing my step four. So he was hospitalized. I kind of thought he having a laugh. So I had to do, I had to, you know, he was in hospital and he was straight there on my step four. But I now know that it was God showing me that life was going to get in my in my way. Life was still going to happen. So this wasn't going to be a guarantee of, you know, the serenity wasn't because, you know, um, things weren't going to be difficult. Absolutely not. But it was God showing me that despite um, being here, I, I didn't even like being in the house without another adult and, you know, having to do whatever I needed to do to get the children whenever I have a full time job. It didn't matter. You know, I was still going to be able to get through it. And I just prayed all the harder. And at night when I had the children in bed, I came in here and and I wrote. I wrote my step four and I did my step five with my sponsor, you know, 10 days after I started, just as we had scheduled. And and it was all fine. It was absolutely fine. And in that, I started to see the pattern of my character defects. Um, And I realized that it wasn't the pity party that I thought it would be. And on page 60, which is where I describe the start of that spiritual awakening and that psychic change and um, where, you know, it talks about the fact is the first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. On that basis, we are almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. And my motive was often good, um, as is the case with other people. But when I looked deep enough, I realized there was a lot of ego at play and I was absolutely not only was I wanting to run the show here in this house, but in my sister's house where my parents were, my sister-in-law, probably at work, the shopkeeper, everybody. I was an expert on how you should live your life if you would only listen to me. And like if you had my life, you'd be eating too. You know, if you had children throwing clothes on the floor, that I mean, why wouldn't you eat? What was the other option? Whereas I now realise, you know, that that's just life. That is just life. And today that still happens. They haven't turned into the perfect family by any means. But, you know, I either let it go because I'm in, in a good place or if not, I come in here and I write a step 10 on it. Absolutely. And I now have a new way of living. So that's been the change. It's not that everybody around me has changed. They have changed to a certain extent. And they've changed because I've changed because this is now a calmer place to live. But the main change has been that I now realize that God is running the show. I still see my therapist on a weekly basis and we normally meet on a, a Monday, but because I had a work meeting, we met today and she happened to say to me, you know, have you ever looked back and seen that even though I still have a lot of work to do, have you ever looked back at how far you've come? And I said to her, I have. I absolutely have. 
Um, you know, I know there are things that I'm probably going to have fears and resentments about in the future, but I know that they'll be okay. Um, you know, and, and part of me knows I may be resentful if my, if my daughter um, doesn't make it onto a squad that she's trying out for. But I know I'll be okay because I know from experience that I will be able to do a step 10 on it. I know the night before the email comes out, I will be able to do that. And that, and that in itself is soothing. It means I, I don't even have food thoughts about it. And um, I suppose the other fairly major happening in, in my life has been my dad, my dad's illness and subsequent death. His appendix ruptured too, coincidentally, in 2020. Um, and he had Parkinson's and Lewy body dementia, which which really deteriorated. And during all of that time, um, you know, I felt the presence of God with me and it enabled me to be there for my mother during his illness and to accept at times when I really didn't want to accept the deterioration of this disease. And I suppose the parent that I most identified with and and was closest to. Um, but, you know, he he said to me, he was the first person to notice my physical change um, very early on. And then last um, in Christmas 2022, which was four months before he died, and he wasn't particularly lucid that day, but he did say to me, um, you know, you've kept the tonnage off. That's the way he liked to, to describe it, because, you know, he, he, he liked to eat a little bit himself. He's probably a moderate eater. And he said to me, you know, we were so worried about you. You know, he said, I don't have to worry anymore. Sorry, I get emotional every time I say this because I didn't realise at the time it was his last Christmas. And he said, now we can look forward to your life. And I suppose for me, my mother says that to me a lot. Um, and even shortly after my dad died, um, I, I was with him as he died. You know, and that for me was was God. You know, he woke me that morning. He'd been dying for a couple of weeks and I woke at 2.30 a.m. and God told me to go to him, which I did. He was about an hour's drive away and um, my, my sister went home. We didn't realise he was as close to death um, and he passed away um, with me there. And it was it was really spiritual. And a lot of what happened um, in the lead up to those days was very spiritual. And my my mother and my brother and sister got there, you know, in the minutes after he died. And as we sat there, you know, I remember recounting that conversation on Christmas Day where he had said to me, I don't have to worry anymore. And that was it. It wasn't that everyone around me wanted, you know, a, a, a daughter that could be, you know, in a modeling clothes or, or whatever. They were worried about me and my health and um, my mother, particularly because of my young children my husband, because he just feared me having a heart attack and, um, and you know, and dad just saying, I don't have to worry about you anymore. I can look forward to the future. So I know that he died happy that he didn't have to worry about me. And my mother often says to me, it's a miracle what has happened. I, don't, I haven't even told her I'm in 08. She just knows something has happened. And she said for me, I never stopped praying that, you know, that this would happen. Um, and that's what keeps me going, you know, that God eventually brought me to OA. It may have taken 45 years, but I got here and I feel that presence of God every day in my life. This higher power. I came in with a belief in a God, but not the one that I lean on today. It's a very different relationship. And somebody once um, told me how they identified this little inner voice, separated that from the higher power. And they said, 
the first voice that you hear is yourself. And I often hear that, oh, there, you're being lazy. Oh, there, look at that happening. And the second one is like, no, it's not. I'm here. I'm taking care of you. And it's that second thought. That's the intuitive one. It's a very caring one. It's not that critical voice that I had assigned to God pre-program and pre-recovery. Um, and I'm just really grateful that has it has really helped me to accept everything that has happened. And, you know, a, a woman um, in, from the village where I live um, who has unfortunately lost a husband and a number of her children over the years, you know, said to my my sister shortly after my father died, you know, they're always with you. You know, you don't ever lose them. And my mother has said that to me. She said, I can I can feel your dad with me. And I feel like I've gained almost an extra dimension to my higher power. Um, because, you know, I, I can ask him questions and, and I can feel, you know, the tone of my higher power being, you know, almost of a similar tone in the way that my father would have spoken to me. Um, and like I said, I really felt the presence of God during the, the, the later days of his illness, even from two minutes. You know, that uh, thanks, Roy, from from that um from that um message to go to him um to even when he was, you know, that the day that his appendix ruptured, I was here, had no intention of going, and I got this very clear thought, go to dad, I think they need you. And you know, like my sister said, we knew you'd be the one to make the decision on calling the ambulance. And another day before he died, when I was there with him, um, three weeks before when he got seriously ill and we didn't realize he was as sick. And the doctor asked me, you know, are we going to treat him or are we going to just leave him here? And my mother turned to me, what do you think? But God sent a paramedic into the room who who made the call for me. So look, there, there are so many examples. And it for me, it's proof that God is there when we seek him. But in hindsight, I could see he was there all along. There were times that he was there, you know, taking care of me, but I've been ever conscious of his presence. So, um, yeah, I've finished up with that. And uh, thanks to everybody for, for listening. So take care.